Um, this is Luke 8. Do you want to find Luke 8? Luke 8, the parable of the sower, and then four miraculous instances in the life of Jesus. That's what we're looking at today. How do you get to be like Jesus? He stills the storm, casts out thousands of demons from one person, heals a sick woman who's been bleeding for, had bleeding problems for 12 years, and then raises a young girl from the dead. How do you get to be like that? That's the journey, actually, of our church over the last, well, probably longer, but, but, but intensively over the last half a dozen years, isn't it? We, ha- we are not content with the status quo, are we? We're not, we love the fact that God keeps healing and we see miracles every week, every week, but actually we're not content with that standard. In fact, we're not even content with Jesus' standard. Because Jesus said, you will do greater things than I'm doing. So actually, we have Jesus, you know, legitimate re- permission, if you like, his permission to go beyond him. That's, that's incredible, isn't it? That's the humble son of God, that he get outshone by his kids. <laughs> now, in another sense, we can never outshine Jesus, but, you know, you know what I mean. That's the humility of that. That's why Jesus came down in order to lift us up. Our greatness comes out of his humility. Anyway, how do we get by like that? Well, I think some of the clues to how you get like that, we may not read all of those stories. Everybody familiar with the calming of the storm? Yeah, bit of a problem for one of, one of those messy, you know, one of those messy stories about the disciples where they don't have faith and Jesus just kind of rounds off the whole thing about the stories that, you know, have faith. Where's your faith, Jesus said. And they, rightfully, they come off the boat or they start saying, when the storm is calm, and say, who is this guy? With authority, he even commands the wind. Who is he? That was the right question to ask, wasn't it? And then he goes to, you know, they pull on the shore and there's in, in the region of the Gerizines and there's a man who's sometimes variously known as legion or mob. He's just demonized by hundreds, hundreds of demons that eventually Jesus casts out and they go into the pigs. You know that story. And then the woman with bleeding, you know, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. And Jesus, you know, in all these four accounts, nobody comes out of it well apart, you know, apart from Jesus and apart from this dear lady. Who Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace or go into peace, literally means. And then Jesus raises, you know, Jairus' daughter from the dead. Sort of, it would be great. You know, you're going to raise somebody from the dead and you just heal somebody on the way. Right? If I was going to raise somebody from the dead, I'd be so focused. You're sick, forget it. I'm just going to raise it. <laughs> Can I do you afterwards? You know, after I've raised somebody dead, I will have so much faith, your 12-year your sickness will be no problem. <laughs> well, Jesus doesn't work like that, doesn't it? But how do you get to be like that? How do you get to be fruitful in your life? That's my sermon this morning, um, or my sermon title. How do you get to be fruitful? Not just simply in miracles. Simply in miracles. Take them for granted. <laughs> Not just in miracles, but it, probably in every area of your life. So although the examples here are, uh, you know, in Jesus' life at the end of this chapter, because we're only going to read the first half, time's going by. All right, what, how do you get to that stage? We're all on that journey, aren't we? 
Pete talks about the, you know, faith, the journey of faith from hope to assurance. Hope to assurance. How do you get on that journey? How do you keep on that journey? How do you get encouraged on that journey? Because this journey isn't going away, folks. You know, we did healing this year. We'll do something else next year. No, we're actually building this in to your lifestyle. Because actually making ourselves like Jesus inevitably means that we will move in the miraculous and the supernatural. So, there are some lessons to be learned in the first half of the chapter. So let's look at 8, Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to somewhere. After this, Jesus traveled about one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, and Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, where it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good ground. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Can you say with me a hundred times? Not a hundred times, but you know, a hundred times. When he said, when he said this, he called out, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Can we say that together? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You all got ears? Right. But sometimes we're not hearing, are we? Or we're not listening. Just let the Holy Spirit, I just want to let the Holy Spirit interject there. I think I was going with the Holy Spirit there, but you know. What's he saying to you? (laughs) Perhaps he dropped another word of knowledge in there. It's one of the things he loves to do, isn't it? Perhaps he's just reminded you of something. Perhaps he's just taken one of those verses and thought, Ooh, ha, that's nice, or that's challenging. (laughs) Okay. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, and though hearing, they may not understand. It's kind of a bit puzzling, isn't it? What's Jesus getting out there? Well, he's not preventing people. Most of the commenters say, on this verse, he's not preventing people, not saying that they are never going to hear. It's just an encouragement. You know, he knows that some people are not going to hear him. And the ones who are going to hear him will actually be the ones that press in. The ones that really want to know. The ones think, who say, you know, you've got, you'll have some people say, oh, it's an interesting story, Jesus. What does it mean? Or I'm not interested in you. You're just going to, you know, puzzle me with parables. And others will say, that's interesting. Lord, what does it mean? His disciples are the people who press in. You are the kind of people. This is why you're so easy to preach to. You are the kind of people who are pressing in. who want to know what God is saying. And here's Jesus, then, therefore, gives the meaning to the parable. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, 
so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Jesus is kind of mixing the metaphors here, isn't he? Suddenly there's a light and you've got to make it shine. Um, And then suddenly you're listening again. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Just say that with me. Whoever has will be given more. How many people here have? Every hand should be going up. If you didn't put your hand up, you may have just, we may just have detected a slight poverty spirit there. Have I got anything? (sighs) Unworthy me. I don't feel like I've got anything at the moment. So I probably haven't. He who has, all of you have. You're the haves, not the have-nots. Right? Say to say, I am a have. I am not a have-not. You have Jesus. You have all the spiritual riches in heaven poured out by the Holy Spirit into your life. You are a have. And guess what? Or you realize what? If you're a have, you're going to get more. Woo! Come on! There's more and there's more and there's more. And the fact that you get more actually guarantees you'll get more. Did he say that? I mean, you're just getting over the parable. What is that? Wait, wait, seed, soil? What? And then he throws in, whoever has will be given more. Wow. And if it doesn't say, if you've got a, a load, I'll give you more. Actually, just having something. But actually, you do have everything. Jesus, the Bible teaches you have all things. All things are yours in Christ Jesus. All things. That's your starting point. <laughs> So what you've, you know, if you have something, you will get more. You can stand in that promise. I am a more person. You are a more person. There's more of us. <laughs> We're the more people. <laughs> We're the mores. Well, not. is anybody called more here? Anybody got a surname? Yes, come on. Take that testimony of that surname. I, I assume it's a surname. Mrs. Moore. Right. Husbands and wives, single people standing, sitting next to us, just say, you're a more person. You're a Mr. Moore, a Mrs. Moore, a Ms. Moore. More, 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 more. Whoever does not have, which is not you, right, next bit of verse, whoever does not have, which is not you, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to him to see him, but they will not be able to get near him because of the crowd. 
10 minutes to go and I still haven't read the passage. <laughs> so someone told him, your brothers, your mothers and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, there's a slight intriguing thing here about the parable. And the intriguing thing is that Luke only says the good soil, which is you. I haven't got time to talk about the bad soils. They're not you. Okay? You're not the stony soil. You're not the, the, the other one. I can't remember. And you're not the one where all the nestles go. That's not you. It was you at one time. Because you heard the word of God and you ignored it. This is before you became a Christian. Or, you know, you kind of embraced it and then the troubles of this world took over and you never pursued it. But that's not you now. Now you are good soil. Amen? You have, you have, you have been given Jesus and you're going to be given more. Right? You're always on the more. You're always on the take. <laughs> Legitimately. That's you. You are the good soil. Okay? Just put your hand on your heart. Say, I am good soil. It's got two hearts, obviously. You are good soil. Now, Luke, in his telling of the parable, says, if you're good soil, you are what? Verse 15, but the seed sowed on good soil stands for those who are noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Actually, you need to go back into verse 7, don't you? It came up and yielded, that same uh, seed, yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. A hundred times. Now, if you look in Matthew and Mark, it's quite interesting because in the same parable, Jesus says some 30, some 60, and some 100. And in fact, uh, if you look at it really closely, he uh, reverses the order in those two parables, and sometimes you get a hundred and sixty and thirty. And in one of the others, I can't remember if it's Matthew or Mark, but you can check it out afterwards. It goes 30, 60, and 100. Now, our tendency is to kind of think, so which one are we? I can't be naught. Okay, I'll be 30. That's safe. You know, if, you're, if you're only 30, the leaders of the church don't expect you to do too much. You know. <laughs> if I was 60, I'd be doing twice as much in the church or the kingdom. It's funny how our thinking goes, isn't it? Now, here's a challenge, and I I haven't worked this out entirely hermeneutically. That's the science of interpreting scripture. But I wonder why Luke doesn't do the other two numbers. Maybe the numbers are not so significant. I mean, after all, you see, in those days, if you sowed a seed, average yield on a seed was only tenfold. So even when Jesus says thirtyfold... He is already tripling the expected outcome. I don't know what 10 to 60 is, but, you know, that's <laughs> tripling and tripling. Well, so it's not, no, that would be nine or whatever. But uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> if my math serves me correctly, which it usually doesn't. Um, you could say, well, let's not get caught up with the numbers. I just felt the Spirit of God was on this saying, why don't you go for the hundredfold? Since you have, and there's more, and more never runs out, let's go for that in our lives. You want to be fruitful in your life? You want to be a hundredfold? You are good soil? Well, let's just produce as much as we possibly can. I think in one sense, that, that the number, you can't, you know, the number is kind of symbolic, but it does do something to your thinking, doesn't it? 
I want everything God has for me so I can do everything that God wants me to do. Amen? That's the kind of church you're in. If you don't like that kind of church, well, stay with us. <laughs> I nearly said somebody's got to put out the chairs. We don't put out the chairs anymore. But, uh, you know, something like that. Right, it's a mindset, isn't it? And I wonder, under the Spirit of God, Luke just goes, Luke goes for the hundreds. Come on. Let's, 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 let's be that. Now, here's a thought. Where's James? I have this on authority of a local expert farmer who has, who sows the field and plows the field and scatters, you know, the good seed on the land. And it has fed and waters by God's almighty hand. Anyway. In discussion with James, I was talking to him about the, uh, you know, about this parable. And he said that their yield at the moment, their, their expected yield of a kilo of grain, correct me James if I get this wrong, right, one kilo of grain, their expected yield is a hundred kilos of grain from one, so that's a hundredfold increase, isn't it? And I said, how do you, you know, in, in first century Palestine, it was only, you know, one grain tenfold. Over the years, through science and through breeding, I didn't know grain bred, but you know, you breed grain. I don't think they breed like you think they breed. Anyway, um, <laughs> however that works out scientifically, let's <laughs> get into deep water here, right? They have bred a grain that now gives you a hundredfold. Now, I saw James coming in. I thought uh, he was, you know, doing car parking duty. And uh, I thought, I'd just check that, that, that fact, and that, and that is actually true. The interesting thing he said in addition to that is his soil is just average. And yet their expected yield is a hundredfold. So, folks, if you're just average, <laughs> you can... <laughs> which actually is not what you are, but it's actually sometimes how we perceive ourselves. And that's the thing, isn't it? You can receive a hundredfold. Now, I'm going to give you three lessons, because I've only got five minutes. Three lessons from this, these, these chapters that you, they're going to help you to have a hundredfold in your life. What James shared for you, that, that you know, the, in the natural around here, you can get a hundredfold from one kilo of grain can produce a hundred kilos of grain. If that's true in the natural, how much more so in the spiritual? The seed of the word of God in your life and in your heart can produce that kind of hundredfold. And how do you do that? Well, I've got, I haven't preached a sermon that's got three P's in it before. And I mean but the letter P rather than anything else. All right? But here they are. Presence, practice, and perseverance. They're all in these passages. Right? If you want to reap a hundredfold, then get into the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, that's where you hear him. Isn't it interesting that the disciples were in the presence of God, and yet, who is Jesus, and it's Jesus who has to say to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then unfolds a parable which some people hear, but they don't really hear. And our emphasis in this church, as our worship demonstrates in many other things we do, is actually getting you into the presence of God so that you can hear him. When you hear him, then that produces faith in your life. 
I heard God about Carol's healing. It's not that I didn't know it. I was just reminded of it by the Holy Spirit. And so that motivates me with faith, with hope that it's becoming assurance so that when we lay hands on people, they are going to get healed from their migraines. Folks, that's how it works. Hearing the word of God produces faith. That's the presence, isn't it? We could say much more about it, but we haven't got the time. But then there's the practice. What does Jesus say later on? My brother, my mother, verse 21, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Do you know why miracles happen here? Because we practiced. We practiced and we practiced and we practiced and we practiced and we practiced. It wasn't so many years ago when, you know, miracles happened every now and again. Now we can confidently say they happen probably daily, certainly every week. Actually, they probably are happening daily because you're out there doing the stuff. Get into the presence. Hear his words. Just be reminded that you have been called to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the demons, preach the good news, and go and practice, practice. Practice getting it wrong. (laughs) I love that. It's a releasing kind of words. I think it's Joaquin Evans several years ago. Practice getting it wrong. That's particularly useful when you're talking to strangers and you have a word of knowledge. I was imagining myself having a word of knowledge and saying Mary to somebody and she's not Mary. And I said, oh, I'm just practicing getting it wrong. It's kind of releasing, doesn't it? You then, ah, oh, all the embarrassment's gone then. <laughs> I've got, I've got, you know, we British intellectual people, we need explanations. Otherwise we get a bit, oh, embarrassed. So there's one. I just practice getting it wrong. That's okay. Because one day you will get it right because practice works like that. Spirit of God is leading you. And you're learning to hear him. So practice. Persevere. The reason why we see more miracles now is because we simply persevered. We heard God, we practiced, and we persevered. You are here today because somebody persevered with you. When a dear Salvation Army man put me on his prayer list and prayed for me every day when I first turned up the Salvation Army when I was 18, he persevered and prayed until I got saved. And he probably carried on praying after that. Somebody persevered, didn't they? You are sitting in this building now because people persevered. They heard God and believed what he was saying, and here we are now. We persevered and got the miracles. Folks, we are entering into a season of salvation. We will persevere until we see the same thing happening with salvation as we've seen happen with the miraculous. Amen? That was the prophetic bit, in case you missed it. Because it's not happening yet. But as we persevere and press through, so growth will come. It's a divine law, if you like. It's how God works. You hear him, you put it into practice, and you keep persevering. So here's my final challenge to you this morning. What's the last thing that God said to you? Just letting the Holy Spirit remind you. (laughs) What's the last thing that God said to you? Could have been this morning. Could have been yesterday. 
last week. Have you done it? Should we stand? You see, maybe God's just spoken to you this morning about something specific or just general in your heart. And you're standing on the verge of releasing heaven into the environment around you. Because when you obey that word, when you put it into practice and when you persevere until you've seen it through, you're releasing heaven here on earth. So I just want to pray for you. Why don't you put that hand on the person next to you as long as they're happy with that. Just check. Say, are you happy with that? I'm going to pray over you and we're going to release more of heaven on earth through your faith. Right? Faith comes from hearing. Faith grows through persevering. You have faith. If you've got some, you will get some more. Right? Those who have will receive more. And you can apply that to faith and love and and other things as well. Father, we just pray for your anointing. We pray for heaven to come down. We pray for you to touch households, neighborhoods, friends, workplaces, workplace colleagues. Lord, we pray for an outpouring by faith. As we've heard your word this morning, we take hold of it. We say, God, I believe you have spoken. You have spoken, Lord, and I want to put it into practice. And I want to persevere so that we can see the fruit coming through. One final testimony. Nearly 23 years ago, somebody gave me a prophetic word, said, saw me with a little Meccano set as a kid and said, you haven't read the instructions. The instructions say, build something 10 times bigger. That was about 23 years ago. I'm looking at a church now that is probably approaching, not this morning because not everybody's here, Something like, we reckon, 500 adults and children. When that prophetic word was given about 23 years ago, we were about 50. 50 times 10 is 500. This is kind of a, I'm approaching a landmark thing in my own life where God has spoken. If God has spoken, I'm sure, many prophecies over you. You've heard them. You're putting them into practice. Now persevere till you see them coming through. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you haven't got to get your children, go and get them and bless you.